Welcome to a whole lot of shift podcast, the podcast for multi-passionate women with an entrepreneurial spirit, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you shift away from all the shoulds and supposed tos to what's truly possible for you in your business and your life, all on your own terms. You ready, girl? Let's make shift happen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Whole Lot of Shift. I'm so excited you're here today. This is episode three in our mini series on retreats. And this is going to help us wrap up this mini series. Over the last couple episodes, I have shared quite a bit about my own personal experiences and some of the key points about retreats that I think really matter, including location, environment, understanding your why for why you're there, and a whole slew of other things. So today, I'm going to be covering some of the questions that I've been receiving since the start of this mini-series and make sure that I've got all of your questions answered and I've covered everything before we get to our expert that'll be joining us to finally wrap up this mini-series. I will be bringing on my coach and expert retreat guest later on in the series. But first, I wanted to make sure that I covered all of your questions that that you all have been posing throughout this mini series. So let's just get it kicked off, shall we? All right. So one of the questions that I had was whether or not retreats are something for a solo traveler or if there's only groups, if you should go with a group, if you should already have friends in mind. And so I just kind of wanted to address this. So first and foremost, if you have a couple of really good friends that you think would be a really good fit for the retreat that you're looking for, by all means, be sure to invite them. There are a lot of retreats that I know I've been on where a discount was provided if you were able to give some sort of referral or if a few of you were booking. It also oper- offers the opportunity for you to perhaps share a room, which could really cut down on your costs. However, that said, I'm also here to say that I don't think, and I could be wrong about this, I don't think at least not in the last two years of my retreat experiences. And in the last two years, I've been on upwards of 10 retreats. I have not necessarily gone with friends. For the most part, I kind of just showed up as I guess what you would consider a solo traveler. However, I do want to say that the majority of the retreats Yes, I can safely say that. The majority of the retreats, I knew several of the people who would be attending because I was in various masterminds or different programs with them, or maybe I had met them previously or I knew of them. So I wasn't walking into a situation where I was new to everybody, but I actually have had that occur as well. But I think the vast majority, I at least knew some of the people that were going to be in attendance. So completely up to you. I have to say it can be scary showing up to a place where you don't know anybody. I think, though, what makes it intimidating 
aren't the experiences where you show up and you don't know anybody. I think what can make it a little intimidating is when you show up to an experience where you don't know anybody, but everybody there has maybe been to this retreat before or they all know each other. Obviously, walking into that that situation can can create, uh, you know, some feelings of discomfort as you're trying to get to know everybody and trying to figure out, I don't want to say where you fit in because I really made an effort over the last couple of years to not really worry about whether or not I fit in and just show up as me for me because I've approached it in the sense that I paid for this and I'm there for me and what I want to get out of it. And I can't necessarily worry about why other people are there, if that makes sense. And not in a selfish way, or I guess maybe it is in a selfish way, but I just want to show up as my true authentic self and not worry about if I'm making other people happy. Hopefully that makes sense. So whether or not you go solo or you go with friends, I've done both. I I actually am really enjoying the experience of just showing up exactly as I am and not really knowing anybody. I've ended up making some really incredible relationships that way and there's something kind of kind of freeing about it, right? Like nobody knows me, nobody knows the past me, nobody knows the old toxic me. Like I just get to show up where I am right now. And I, I really, really fucking love that. So I would encourage you to, to go ahead and enter your discomfort zone and, and try something on your own. But that's just my personal, my personal tip. Okay. Another question was, can I recommend any affordable retreat options? Sure. If you are not already, please feel free to join the Whole Letter Shift Facebook group. Within that group, I have created a guide section in the Facebook group just for retreats. And I have been sharing information as I, as I find it about retreats. Some of them include retreats and retreat hosts that I personally have experience with. There are also some members of the group who are starting to host their own retreats and they have also shared information about their retreats and their as well. As far as them being affordable, the price ranges vary. So affordable, I guess it depends on your definition of affordable. And I'll get to that because I believe I have a question that somebody asked about cost. So we'll cover cost, but can I recommend any retreat options? Yes, please go out and join the Holidayshift Facebook group because I've been working on creating a guide and sharing either retreats that I have been on indoor retreats that I know I am very familiar with the host and have been in their world and feel quite confident in recommending their work to anybody in that group. So please be sure to join. Are there any age restrictions or retreats tailored to certain age groups? Yes, 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 yes. There's always retreats tailored to certain age groups, certain demographics, you know, retreats could be tailored to women, men, couples. I don't know that I've seen something for families. I've definitely seen couples. I've seen men. I've seen women. I don't see a lot for men, but they are there. I've seen some for moms specifically. 
moms of school-age children. So yeah, there's definitely retreats that could be tailored to certain age groups. Again, my biggest piece of advice that I think I've shared on the podcast before is to really kind of get to know the retreat host as much as you can prior to signing up for a retreat so that you really have a good feel for for who they are, what their values are, you know, probably what they're going to be doing and sharing on the retreat. And you're probably going to get a really good idea just from getting to know them, who their ideal client is, which will probably help you a little bit with the answer to your question about age groups. How can you know, oh, how do you find a reputable or a trustworthy retreat provider? Again, I strongly recommend that you go and you you get into the retreat leader or host's world just as much as you possibly can to really kind of understand where they're coming from, what they're about, what their values are, and what they're going to be bringing to the table. So that may mean following them on social media. That might mean engaging in some type of other activities or content that they create so that you can, you know, get kind of a, oh, what do I want to call it? Like a a mini view of what a retreat with them might be like. Uh, I think that's probably, probably the best way for you to really figure out if it's reputable. Of course, you know, if there's testimonials and they offer testimonials, definitely go out and go and check those out as well. I know a lot of retreat hosts will gladly share you know, who has been on their retreats in the past. So you could probably speak to speak to one of those prayer guests if you wanted to. I know that I've left both written and video testimonials for my prior retreat experiences. And I would be happy to share with anybody, just as I am right here on my own platform, some of the retreats that I've been on in the past. What's a typical daily schedule look like for a retreat? Honestly, it's going to vary it's going to vary on what the retreat is about, who it's with, where it's at, et cetera. But typically a lot of the ones where I've been, you know, there are, there's opportunities for, I guess, what you could call free time, relaxation, what have you. There is some sort of daily, I guess I'll call it daily movement activity because it can vary, right? I've done yoga. I've done circuit workouts. I went to a retreat in Mexico and we all did water Zumba every day. That was amazing and fun. It, it, it'll vary, but definitely some type of exercise or movement is, is typically involved. There may or may not be an excursion at some point in within the day. Some retreat leaders, I've been on retreats where we had a small excursion every day and I've been on others where there was just one large excursion for the four day retreat. So it, the typical daily schedule, it's really it's really going to vary. That would probably be a question that you would want to ask of your retreat leader and trying to understand what the experience is going to look like. And again, I think this is where it's really important for you to have a, a solid understanding of what you're wanting to get out of the experience. If you're truly just wanting nothing but relaxation and you're, you know, you're you're there for your overall, I guess, wellness and self-care, you're wanting the experience of something like yoga or in breath work, maybe some Reiki sessions, some massage, you know, and maybe, oh, some experiences for grounding or mindfulness, what have you, you know, then you're going to want to ask about, ask about those things. 
obviously that's going to look a bit different than an adventure retreat, right? So really kind of, again, getting into the world of the retreat host, understanding what it's about, making sure that you're clear on what you want to get out of it. Those things are really important. Oh, somebody asked something about, well, you know, when you leave the retreat, how can you, you know, is there is there any kind of prolonged benefits? Where was the exact question? How can I maintain the benefits from a, from the retreat once it's over? I think this is a great question. So there's a couple of ways that this could go. I've only experienced this with a couple of the retreats that I've been on. So one, I'm, I'm just going to share a couple a couple examples that I have, okay? I am in a year-long mastermind right now. And within that mastermind, it includes two retreats during the year. So I'm, I'm guaranteed at least two retreats. They're normally about mm, three or four days. I'd say more like four. And so obviously, I'm getting support before and after those retreats because they are actually part of the mastermind. So that's that's one way that that a retreat could go. The Key West retreat that I've been on includes like 30 days of support afterwards, which includes if you're familiar with Voxer, the Voxer app, it includes some Voxer support post retreat. I've also two or three four of the other retreats that I've been on. Boy, I just had to add that up. Four of the other retreats that I've been on they have Facebook groups in which people can continue to engage after the retreat. And it's really nice being in those Facebook groups because a lot of times if there is another um, retreat coming up, then information is shared within that Facebook group for any upcoming retreats as well. In case you decided you wanted to, to go on another retreat with that same host. So those are just, you know, a couple of the ways. One thing that I'm experiencing right now, I am working on, I'm going to be going on a retreat in May of next year. And leading up to that, it includes several monthly coaching sessions in between now and the time of that retreat. So really, I'm getting the support before the retreat. So that when I arrive at the retreat, we've got a really good idea of what I want to be working on when I get there. And I think that that's really helpful. For me personally, when I start hosting retreats, I will probably be doing, well, not probably, I will be doing a mix of both because I think it's important. I think it's important to have something that leads up to the retreat so that you do have the clarity of what you're wanting to get out of it when you once you do get to the retreat. And again, I think that the post post retreat support is really important as well. And so that's something that I'll be offering both the pre and post retreat support. I, I think those can be really, really impactful in making sure that any benefits that you obtain from the retreat are able to to stick with you. Yeah. I know one of the questions that I got was about how much does a, a retreat typically cost? So this is a tricky question. And here's the thing. Retreats can vary greatly in cost. Obviously, things like 
Location matters. <laughs> what kind of experiences you're expecting to get out of the retreat that could impact the cost. I mean, I know that I follow someone who had recently shared, I think she had said she had paid like $20,000 to go on a retreat. For her, that was no big deal. It was well worth it for her because she knew the coaching she was going to be receiving. And it was in some exotic location. I can't even remember. And accommodations were supposed to be really top notch. And so she felt completely comfortable paying that. I personally have not paid that for a retreat. The retreat prices can can vary greatly. So Again, I'm currently in a mastermind and included in the mastermind are two retreats and I just have to pay for my airfare there. The lodging and everything else is covered as part of the mastermind. So if you look at it in in the sense that I'm already paying for it with the cost of the monthly mastermind, which you can pay for on a monthly basis or you can pay for it in, sorry, it's not a monthly mastermind. It is a year-long mastermind program. We meet weekly. I am on a payment plan that pays monthly, but you can pay for the mastermind yearly. It includes the two retreats. So really the cost for me outside of that is just my travel expenses to get there and, and back. I, I would say my second lowest cost retreat I went on was last August. I don't know, it was last year sometime, I went to a retreat in Mexico, and that was at an all-inclusive resort. That was five days. It was a women's retreat, and that one included one excursion. Transportation was not included, except they did arrange for my airport transportation. I believe I, I spoke to that in the last episode, but that retreat was $1,000, and I thought for five days in Mexico, all-inclusive, that was a, a really great price. And that it included like an excursion that was almost all day. So I felt like that was really great cost. Anything extra that you wanted that was available at the resort, like the massages, oh, you could get any, <laughs> you could get your hair done, you could get a facial, you could get massage, manicure, pedicure, all those kinds of things. Any of those extra services that you might have ordered, obviously, were were on your own. It was not included in the in the cost. But all food and beverages was included and your lodging and the excursion for the thousand dollars. And I thought that was really good. Beyond that, I want to say I want to say most of the retreats that I've been on have been somewhere in the two thousand to three thousand dollar range. I did pay like forty five hundred for one. Again, it really depends on what you're looking to get out of it. I think I think that makes a significant difference. And again, location. You know, you're going to pay more for certain locations. Obviously, real estate or any kind of lodging whatsoever in Key West is expensive. It's not cheap. The average like one bedroom apartment in Key West is like $2500 or $3000 a month. So you can only imagine what it's like to get a whole house to host a retreat for a week. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. And so something like that, you may pay a little bit more for. Again, why you want to get to know your retreat host, There, there's opportunities there. So that retreat host, you know, if you've been on other retreats of hers, then you get a discount on future retreats. Or if you're buying other programs of hers, same story. Also, if you provide any referrals, 
you can get a discount. So again, super important to get into the world of your retreat host because that, that can really make a difference. So cost can vary widely and, and just depends on so many different factors. Is there anything special that I've had to bring on retreats? Again, that, that depends on the retreat. All the retreat hosts that I have had have done a fabulous job of kind of providing a bit of a packing list prior to the retreat so that I was well aware of what to expect and what to pack. And that even included, you know, if we were going on an excursion and and I needed to bring something special for that that was clearly laid out for me. So again, that can vary widely. You know, if you're going on some sort of sports and adventure retreat, where you're going mountain biking in the mountains, they're, they're probably going to help you figure out what it is that you need to bring and what they are providing. And again, I believe in the first episode of this mini series, I cover, you know, some of the questions to ask for that and understanding if you need permits and, and what you need to bring. So those are great questions. I think... A lot of these other questions that I had come in, I feel like they've been covered, but some of these I just really, I wanted to make sure that we kind of talked through a little bit, you know, somebody did, was trying to ask if it over a retreat was like a vacation. I believe in the first episode of this mini series, I covered, you know, what is the difference between a retreat and a vacation? Obviously a retreat is, is something far more intentional than just a vacation, you know, some of the benefits can be really geared more towards your wellness, self-development. Here lately, a lot of the retreats that I've gone on have been more business focused. So obviously any benefits I'm going to get from that retreat are, you know, how it may pertain to my business. So it just, it, it really varies, but obviously that's way different than just going on a vacation. So all those kind of activities and and everything that you're going to do and what benefits you get and what to expect, that's really going to vary on what kind of retreat that it is. So something, you know, just something to think about. Dietary restrictions. Oh, I did talk about food. So in the last episode, one of the things that I kept bringing up was the importance of food. I've been on retreats where we've had a chef. I've been on retreats where we don't have a chef but then we eat out for at least one meal a night that may or may not be something, you know, that you want to do if you are, you know, if paying for the retreat ex itself was something that was already a stretch for you, then you might want to really, really understand what meals are included and what meals are not because it may not work for you to pay for the retreat and then go out to eat every night. But as far as dietary considerations or restrictions, yeah, I think every retreat that I've been on that has been asked. Actually, I know every retreat that I've been on that has been asked. And so that has been easily accommodated. I know I've been on retreats with people with all sorts of food sensitivities and allergies as well as just maybe some choices, vegetarian, so forth. And we we were always able to accommodate. So yes, I know I talked a lot about food in in one of the episodes in this mini series, but all of those considerations or dietary restrictions are are typically covered in a retreat. Again, though, be sure to ask, ask your host and really understand that. What if you're a first time retreat goer? 
Well, if you're a first timer, congratulations. I hope that you enjoy your experience. And, you know, as again, as a first timer, I would say be open to the experience, be clear on why you're there and what you want to get out of it. You know, I sorry to like <laughs> beat that into everybody, but it it really is important. The only again, the only time I've really had quote unquote a challenge when it came to showing up as at a retreat was when was one time I went on a retreat and it was it's a retreat that happens every year. And so there's been several people that have been a part of this retreat for the last several years. And so walking in to that retreat as a newbie, if you will, and not really knowing anybody was a little bit intimidating at first. But again, you know, you just, you got to kind of show up with an open mind and, and be willing to get a little bit uncomfortable and, and everything turned out for the better. And I feel like I actually made some really amazing friendships out of that retreat and I can't wait to go again next year. So yeah. And I know I did have one person, somebody in my accountability group had asked about, well, you know, what kind of expert I could bring on the show, you know, maybe somebody who has gone to like maybe 20 different retreats. And I kind of laughed for a minute and I was like, yeah, that's why I'm doing the mini series because somebody who has been on like 20 different retreats would be me. But, but also I am bringing on another expert. So my coach who specializes in retreats and has hosted, she has hosted probably I want to say she said her number is over 40. I can't remember the exact number. And then, and of course, that doesn't even include all the retreats she's actually been on. So I will be bringing her on as a guest as well, because I think it's important for you guys to hear from, from an expert as well, because obviously she's going to be able to share some insights with all of you that, that I may not be able to because I haven't officially hosted my own before I have helped, I have helped plan some various trips, of course, many moons ago, and I won't even say when, huh, but it was a very long time ago. I worked, I worked for a lodging facility and used to help plan group trips and all of their transportation, lodging, excursions, etc. I I did that. And then of course, I've I've helped plan trips that included a lot of people. I know I think I spoke two episodes ago about how I've been on a, a float trip. One year we went and there was like 20 people. One year we went and there was 40. And of course, happy to share all the lessons learned of planning those different trips and the sizes, but that's way different than a retreat. Although in some aspects, there's a lot of similarities because obviously planning, planning something for a large number of people, there, there's a lot of lessons learned. A lot of similarities are kind of in the same boat as a retreat, but obviously it's a very different experience. That does bring me also to one of the other questions, which was something about how many people are typically on a retreat. And I think that that's a really great, great question. It is something to be mindful of, which I've spoken about previously. For me, the sweet spot where I think I have got the most impact, and let me just back up for a minute. I've been on a retreat with two other people. 
I've been on a retreat with 20 other people. I've been on a retreat with everything in between. And I feel like the most impact is made in that size of about five to six people, probably no more than six. What starts to happen when you get into the range between like 15 and 20, people tend to, I hate to use the word click, I, you know, to sound like, like there are clicks that are created, but there kind of are, right? If you get to talking about that 15 to 20 range, now what starts to happen is there tends to be smaller groups, maybe three or four people at a time where, you know, obviously they all connect. And, and, and that's, listen, that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But you do kind of lose the opportunity to actually bond with everybody. You cannot possibly in four days bond with 20 people like as well as you would if there were only five of you total. It, it's just going to create for a much different experience. Additionally, I think for me, that sweet spot is is around five or six. Even coming from a teaching perspective, I, I believe I shared in the first episode of this miniseries where I had the opportunity to teach at the Freedom and Adventure Retreat. And there were several things that I noticed. But obviously, when you're trying to, to teach something that can be somewhat intense to 17 people, however many there were, you're going to lose some. You just are. There's going to be folks who just are not able to get out of that teaching moment, the impact that you're looking for, and probably not the impact that you're going to get in a much, much smaller group in a much smaller setting. Again, speaking to the bonding opportunities, when you're in that smaller group and everybody is able to make a true connection with each other and they're really creating a bond, when you do have opportunities to do some really intense self-development work, because that bond has been created, the way that the others around you are able to help you through those moments as well is really impactful. And, and you, oftentimes you just don't quite get that in a setting of 15 to 20 people. Not to say that no impact is made in a larger setting because that's not true. And not to say that others around you are not helpful because that that's not true either. It's just a very different experience. For me, I really think that sweet spot is probably no more than probably no more than five attendees, one host, maybe six attendees. I feel like even if we're talking about excursions, you know, Think, think about that for a moment, an excursion with more than six people and finding transportation where you're all going to fit. And there's just so many pieces to that. Yeah, this, the smaller, the, the better. I can tell you, I went on a retreat recently and a couple of the attendees had backed out at the last minute and it ended up being just myself and one other attendee. And I had such an incredible experience. 
because as you can imagine, obviously, then we're getting a lot more coaching time. Like the value that we were able to get out of that experience was so much more because again, the host isn't trying to cater to 20 other people. So you're really getting a lot of value for the price. So something to think about. I think the last question that I had someone asked was how long a retreat typically is. I would say probably between three and five days. Not to say that some retreats can't be longer. Some are longer. I believe the longest I've been on is like five or six. It might have been six days, but I also have to say that it could have been six days because I tacked on a couple of days. I believe I explained in a prior episode that there's been a couple of times when I was able to work something out with the retreat leader where I was able to stay either either a day or two early or stay a day or two later just to accommodate my travel plans. I want to be really sure to say that that is not typical and that is not always an option to do with a retreat leader. I've I've had two different retreat leaders I've been able to do that with, but that is not always the case. So that is just something to be aware of. But I would say the average is is around around 5 days. And honestly, I don't know that I would want it any longer than that. I think that 4 or 5 day range is perfect. Absolutely perfect. I've been on several retreats that started. In fact, I think I've been on, I don't know, off the top of my head, four or five retreats that started like on a Wednesday night and went through till Sunday. Like we all left Sunday sort of thing. And then I've been on several others that were like a Monday through Friday. Yeah. So I think that's it. Well, I hope that you all have enjoyed this mini series on retreats. And I hope that this clarified a lot of questions that I have received regarding retreats and experiences. Please stay tuned because there will be a lot more about retreats coming your way from a whole lot of shift as we, as we move along. And I have some big announcements coming up. So be on the lookout for that and be on the lookout for our retreat expert to be joining us on the show as well. All right, I hope you all have enjoyed this. And until next time, keep making Shift happen. Hey, Shifters. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of A Whole Lot of Shift. If you heard something today that inspired you or resonated with you, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review to help others as well. Your review helps me give as much motivation and inspiration as I possibly can. And don't forget, you can catch all the outtakes, bonuses, special live stream interviews, and much more over at a whole lot of shift Facebook group. Until next time, keep making shift happen.